Good morning, family. How are we doing? Good. Uh, my name is Kenneth. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, yeah. Anybody else have a, a weird week? No? Okay. Just me? All right. That's fine. <laughs> like, okay, so I don't know what it was. Like, it was just a, just a heavy week and nothing, nothing really went wrong. You know, it's, it's just one of those weeks that it's just like, ugh, it just weighs on you a little bit. And there was just some angst that I was feeling, and um, and what's funny is like I was driving my daughter to preschool. It's like this did not help. Thanks, Lainey. Um, she's in the back seat, and she was telling me all of her future life plans. <laughs> she's four. She has it all figured out, right? So her best friend, uh, his name is Jake, and she um, she was like, yeah. And then you know I'm going to be five, and then me and Jake are getting married. And <laughs> does he know this? And so, um, and then she's like, and then I'll never see you again. <laughs> it's like, do I, do I want to probe into this? I'm not sure. Why, why won't you ever see me again? Because you'll be dead. <laughs> when you're five. Okay. <laughs> and I don't know. I like, <laughs> you know, it's funny, like, it, but it did, like, I dropped her off at the preschool line and, like, put on some sad music. I was just, I was contemplating, you know, I was like, yeah, like, and I, I, I don't know if any of you guys are, like, into personality tests and, and all that, but, like, I, I'm a personality test junkie. On the Enneagram, I'm a four, so, like, if you know what that means, like, I'm very emotional, and, like, I sit in my emotions, and, and for some reason, it was already a funky morning, then I'm going to die next year, and then, um, so, <laughs> it, it just had me thinking a lot this last week about, what we, what we give our time to and, and urgency. And so like this morning as we look at Corinth and knowing that I've got like a year left of my life, so like I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to you guys. Um, really just feeling the weight of the text that we're gonna be spending some time in this morning. And um, yeah, I, I, I think that this text is three little verses that Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians. And I just see so many things happening in, in the life of the church. I want to set this up a little bit for us. Um, that, that I'm just like, man, I, I think we're spinning our wheels. And, and I'm, not like, I'm not talking about like the church. I'm talking about the, like the people that make up the church. And, and this is what I mean. Um, so follow me here for just a second, okay? So, so first and foremost, uh, I, I talk to people a lot um, that are just like, man, this, this sin or, or these emotions or, or this brokenness that's happening in my life it was just eating my lunch. And I can't tell you how many times I've, I've just prayed, like, Heavenly Father, like, take this sin away from me. And, and then the next thing I know, I'm turning right back around and I'm doing it again. And, and the same thing goes with, like, you know, our, our angsty emotions and our anxiety about the world around us and our anxiety about the things in our house and, the, and our anxiety about, I mean, all these things. Like, I woke up in a dead sweat last night um, and, and, like, just had this image of, like, um, is the trigger warning? I don't know. Judah, like, falling off of a cliff, like, falling through the rails and falling off of a cliff. And, you know, like, I couldn't shake it. Like, I was, I was wide awake and just, like, and, and saying, like, these prayers, like, Holy Spirit, like, I... I just need you to speak to this because it, it's in my mind, right? 
And so we can do that with sin and we can do that with anxiety and we can do that with, with these mental images and, and all of these things. And, and I have these conversations all the time and it's like, you know, the, the, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. So that's, that's one side of this over here. Then the other side that, that I mean, I'm just lay it out, okay, is, is I think that there is sometimes a brazenness in sin that I see. <laughs> we don't like that one. We don't like the other one, but we don't like this one. What do you mean by that? Do you know, like, from a pastoral perspective, how, how many times I get led into conversations of, of people that, whether they mean to or not, are tearing the body apart? It's heartbreaking. What, what do I mean by that? Open gossip. Division. Like, confronting people in a way that is not glorifying to God. We talked about, like, two weeks in a row, we talked about, like, how, how should you go about confronting your brothers and what posture should you have? And, and, and hearing, like, the conflict, the open conflict without resolution, without humility, without curiosity, without sanctification in the middle of it, it's heartbreaking. But like, in the midst of that, we wear that as a badge of honor. Like, going back to the personality thing, well, I'm just a challenger. It's my type, so you just better deal with it. But, like, there, there's division. You know what that does? It grieves the heart of Jesus. It also shows a world around us that, like, we don't look anything different. So that's why, like, a text like what we're going to read this morning is so important. Because, like, like, Paul, like, he doesn't mince words. I, I pray that this is a pulpit that, that never minces words. Like, I, I believe it. Like, Brian will get up here and, and kick you in the teeth and me in the teeth when I'm sitting out there. Like, my hope is that the Holy Spirit does his work in your heart. And, and I believe, like, what I've been walking through, like, I, I think the Holy Spirit has something to say. And it's things that I'm learning. And I keep telling you guys that over and over and over again. Like, I'm, I'm not up here because I'm awesome. I'm up here because I'm called. And I'm up here because, like, I, I think, I, I really believe with all of my heart that, that we, as a church, Grace Spring, we're at the precipice of a moment. And, and I can't explain to you, I can't, I can't tell you the anticipation that I have in my heart where we're reading through something like 1 Corinthians and we're seeing, like, and I'm not necessarily, like, I'm not saying we're, we're as bad as them, right? But, but, but where I see like God making straight a path for the Corinthian church, and I see God making straight a path for Grace Spring. And I believe it with all of my heart. Like we, we've been through some junk, man, right? Like the, through the years, there's been, there's been so many things that, that have happened in this body and, and so many things probably that like are worthy of Paul writing a letter to us, Right? But in the midst of this, like, I, I believe, like, we, you, you look at a concept like contend for unity. You look at a concept like what does it mean to be a holy people in an unholy land? And, and I think God is, is actively, if we're willing, if we're sitting here with open hearts and open minds, I, I believe that God is willingly just chipping off the edges to make us look more and more like him. And, like, if you're not there yet, I would say, like, buckle up. Let's get on board. Let's figure this out. Because because God chooses to do his work beautifully through his church. The the church is the vessel that that Jesus uses to show the good news to the world. And when we look like the world, is that good news? I don't want to look anything like you. You're just doing the same stuff I see all over the place. So what does it look like to really buckle up and contend for unity? What does it look like to really take the, the, the calling of holiness seriously and to not lord that over anyone else, to, to, to call out sin in a, in a compassionate and holy way 
that points people towards truth. I think, I, I think, I believe with my whole heart, we're seeing these pockets of beauty that are just happening all around us. And, and I think the Lord is about to do something massive in our body. And I'm not talking like, I'm not, I'm not aiming for revival. I'm not like any of those. I, I want this place to be the most life-giving place, people in Kalamazoo. But we got to get it. We got to get the heart. This is Jesus is after our heart. So I'm going to ask you, go ahead and turn in your Bible. We're going to be uh, in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. It's page, I think, 1134. Same page we were on the last two weeks. <laughs> awesome. And um, I, you know, as I was preparing for this week, um, I wanted to point out just kind of a pocket of beauty um, in, in what's happening in our body. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but like our youth ministry... Um, the Lord is just doing just some amazing things in the hearts of our students. Um, and, you know, I have a heart for youth ministry. I was in the youth ministry for, I don't know, five, six years before I was in the role that I'm in now. And uh, so the person I'm going to invite to speak or to re- read the passage this morning, actually, he was one of my students in the youth ministry for a little while. But uh, J.J. Hika, I'd love for you to come on up. Hey, buddy. Um, so I'm going to have him tell uh, you guys a little bit about himself and uh, where he's serving. And, and the, what I asked him was like a very awkwardly worded text. Um, but, you know, he's, he's, he can read it. Like, I didn't do a lot of emojis either. Um, but what I, what I wanted you guys to see as a body is the beauty of, of what happens when kids and youth and, you know, young married couples and, and married couples and senior, uh, seasoned sisters, and like when all of us are, are serving beautifully together. And JJ, like, <laughs> I, I know he's like going to feel really embarrassed by this, but he does this. And, and he, he is a part of the reason that the youth ministry is, is thriving the way it is right now. Um, and I'm just really proud of you, first of all. Um, but second of all, like, I just want him to tell you a little bit about what that looks like in the youth ministry, because like, probably a lot of you haven't been there on a Wednesday night, right? Right? Okay, cool. So take it away, bud. Well, yeah, as Kenneth said, my name is JJ Haka, and I'm a senior at Go Lake High School. Um, I'm involved in the youth group every single week, and I have the, the privilege of meeting with Jacob and five other high school students um, on the student leadership team for the youth group. And in that role, I get to uh, help Jacob plan what we're doing for Wednesday nights and also um, come up with ways to come alongside students and help them grow in their faith uh, with Christ. And part of that role that I've done um, is, is last summer I got to co-lead our high school mission trip to, to Kansas City um, where there was just incredible growth in all the high schoolers who went because you get to take a week and intentionally pour into your relationship with Christ and be involved in that Christian community and just you get to really pour into one another. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, what, what JJ didn't tell you, and I'm glad he didn't um, because like he won't brag on himself, but when he says he got to co-lead this mission trip, I don't know how many of you know about like our philosophy of ministry or mission trips here at, at, in the youth ministry, but literally that means that two students planned every aspect of the trip. So from, from the food that everyone would eat the entire time, they delegated leadership out, um, lined up transportation. They didn't drive, but they lined up transportation. Um, there were adults there that pretty much drove and made sure that they didn't kill each other. Like, 
two main roles, right? Yep. Yep. But our student leaders, when they're leading these mission trips, they, they take care of every single aspect of it, from the budget to the planning, like all of it. And so, I, like, it's amazing. And, and I love the, the um, ministry philosophy that, that Jacob has embraced, and that is that student ministry should be students doing ministry. And so I, I just have like nothing but props for our student leadership team and for JJ and for everything that's going on down there. So we'd love for you to take it away and read us yeah. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. If you could stand for the reading of God's word. Or do you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, J.D. Great work. All right. You guys ready to get in? Yeah! Yeah. You know, like, Brian was like, oh, he's got another hard passage. This is like, yeah, we got this, right? It's the Holy Spirit preaching anyway. It's great. So I have a question for us to consider, and, and I think it's probably an easy answer, but before I put it on the screen, what I want us to consider is do we live like the truth that we know from this question, okay? What could it be? Okay, here we go. Are we saved by grace or by works? Right. But are you living that way? Right? What's interesting to me is, is anytime we talk about the, the concept of the gospel, anytime we talk about the kingdom of God, which I don't know if you guys noticed when we're reading through that, Paul talks about the kingdom of God a couple times here in in the verses we just read. And that was like Jesus' favorite, one of his favorite subjects. Like when he came on the scene, he he like as he was presenting the gospel for the first time, he he stood up and said, The kingdom of God is at hand, so repent and believe the gospel. And then we see later on, throughout the Beatitudes, right? We we see Jesus giving commands to people and saying, For theirs is the kingdom of God. And then later on, He's doing all these different parables and teaching through all of these different stories. And, and he says, for the kingdom of God is like. And, and so this whole concept, this idea of, of being in the kingdom of God, it, it's a new conduct, a new way for us uh, to live inside of what Jesus is doing on the earth. And so I think sometimes we can talk about this, this idea of the kingdom of God. And we can talk about our behavior and we can talk about so like the Beatitudes. I mean, th- that, whole, that whole portion of scripture, it's talking about blessed are you when you act this way, when you do this thing, right? And so it's really easy for us to be, to, to be formulaic because like that's, that's also part of the American dream, right? Is like, if I do this, then I will get this, yeah? It'd be really easy for us to open up our Bible, you know, and look at, you know, Matthew 6, let's, let's, I'm going to just like read a couple of these and, and just kind of be like, or uh, Matthew 5, sorry, and, and read a couple of these and be like, if, if I'm this, then, then God's going to do this. It's the formula, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Cool. I, I can be poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I want to be comforted. 
Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So we, we, can, we can go along kind of these, these trips in our brain sometimes, and we can kind of wire ourselves and trick ourselves and think to ourselves that if we're doing sin modification, if we are, are living our best life now, there's a book about that, I think. If we're living our best life now, then God will bless us. But, but the, the beauty in the midst of this, and I, I think we know this at our heart, even though we might live like this sometimes, Jesus points to a better way. And Paul talks about it in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. He says, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. Let's pause there. You didn't add anything to this equation, my friends. Right? By... By grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God. He pours it out upon us. Not as a result of works so that no one may boast. I love like the New Living Translation. It says, so you can't take credit for it. For we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So this is, this is like the, the grace and the works tension here that, that we're going to see in this passage a little bit. Be, because... What happens, I think, so many times is like I could look at a, a list like that and I like that Paul walks through and we're going to walk through that in detail and be like, oh, check, check, check. Yeah, I'm, I'm not getting drunk all the time. Got it. I'm good. Right. And, and that would lead me to say, like, well, I'm working hard enough. You know, I've got this figured out. I've got sin management under control. Look at me. I'm God's gift to the world. But we don't do those things. Not only because Jesus commands us not to, but, but because he cares enough about us that, that when we do those things, they literally destroy our bodies. They destroy our witness to the world around us. They destroy our souls. And so, like, I, I want us to understand, like, when we talk about the kingdom of God and we see that in Scripture, like, this isn't anything that I'm doing to add to the tally list, okay? It, it is literally how I behave. You know, like, I don't, I don't get a gold star on my chest every time I drive without going over the speed limit, right? That's just part of, like, you guys drive the speed limit, right? That's just part of being a, a citizen of this country, of this state, right? Like, literally, I live in Michigan, and so I have to follow certain laws, that's just how it is. Otherwise, there are repercussions. And, and so when we look at the kingdom of God, it, like Jesus is never saying, like, do these things and then you'll inherit the kingdom of God. He's saying, you live in the kingdom of God now, so this is how you should behave. This is the identity that I'm building inside of you. You are the image of God that was broken, and now that you have a relationship with me, we're, we're, we're restoring that image so that you can see it, the world can see it, the things that Jesus is doing through our hearts. So I do those things, and I, and I refrain from those things because it's an act of service to God and an act of service to the world. It's not so that I earn anything. And we're not going to get to the pearly gates one day and like have like a whole list of all the things, well... I see here you did that, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an extra, you know, helping of Wheaties for breakfast. Anybody eat Wheaties anymore? We do this because it's service to God. And we refrain from those things because it's service to God. And so I want us to understand that, like, the kingdom of God is a beautiful concept God's spiritual rule over the hearts and lives of those who willingly submit to God's authority. That's a simple way to say it. I mean, there's, there's a lot more ology here that you can get into about the kingdom of God. And you're like, well, sometimes I say kingdom of heaven. Sometimes I say kingdom of God. What's the difference? We could get into that. 
I would encourage you to study it. It's fun. But what are we saying here? Like, look, look at what Paul said. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then later on, the, the whole laundry list of, of sin, uh, drunkards, revilers, or swindlers will, will inherit the kingdom of God. What does that mean? These behaviors are doing damage to our soul, damage to our witness. And when we do those things, we're not showing that we're under the authority of God. We're not living in a way that's under the authority of God. Are we embracing God's spiritual rule over, over our hearts and lives? We're saying like, nah, I like the idea of salvation, Jesus, but like these rules are too much for me. Like we would never say that, right? Maybe we live that way. What do I mean by that? Let's, let's look at what, what Paul says here, okay? Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Pay attention to this list, all right? Neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. So let's, let's, let's take a little bit of time and let's look at Paul's, Paul's naughty list, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, like, we, we can look at a list like that and be like, oh, yeah, sexual morality, good. Idolater, maybe, sometimes. What's that, it's a, what's that even mean? That's a Bible word. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm probably good, right? All right, so let's look at the list. A life of sin. <laughs> because here's the deal, like we're, we're, all, we're all on this list somewhere. Like period. And you're probably on it a couple times. Welcome to the club. You're in good company, right? So, so and if, if this is a little PG-13, I'm sorry, but sexual immorality. What does this look like? Do you have lust in your heart? Do you have lust in your mind? Lust in your eyes? We talk about the act a lot, right? Like the things that are happening, like sex outside of marriage. or What are you looking at on the internet when no one's around? Check. Idolaters. It's like quiet in here. Anybody got a pen we could drop? <laughs> what about idolaters? Well, so like, I don't know. Anything that sits on the throne of your heart that is not Jesus you put an idol in his place. We've riffed on this before, right? <laughs> it, it could be anything. What, what, what comes to your mind like when you think of, of your little passionate thing, right? What is it? What do, you spend, what do you spend the most time doing when you're awake? Because a lot of us would be like, well, work, yeah. Do you know you could idolize that too? You could idolize the American dream. You could idolize earning more. My wife is awesome, and I can idolize her. My kids, I can idolize them. My favorite sports team, the activity that I love doing more than anything else, 
what's on my TV the majority of the time? What's on my phone the majority of the time? What catches your attention when you wake up in the morning? We, we are born to be idolizers. And like, let's look at that a little bit, right? Because, because we're made in God's image. We were made to worship him. Like, that, that, like before the fall, before the Garden of Eden, like, or during the Garden of Eden, that, that's what we did. We're worshipful creatures. So, like, when sin entered in and the curse entered in, what's the natural thing? Take our worship of God and turn it towards all of these other things. Things that we think will fulfill us or things that, that we get a joy out of or things that we... Fill in the blank. Idolizers. Or idolaters. Check. Right? Oops. <laughs> i got a very good track record so far. Adulterers. I was like, yeah, okay. I mean, what did Jesus say, right? Even look at that woman with lust in your eyes. Might as well have done it, son. I know it's hyperbole, right? It's in your heart. Okay. Adulterers. Check. <laughs> And the next one, I bet a lot of you, as soon as you saw that word up there or heard it read, I was like, what's Kenneth going to say about that? <laughs> Here's what I want to say about it. Practicing homosexuality. This, why? this is our pet sin, right? Oops. Yeah. Ah, well, at least I'm not like the gays. Got to keep them from having rights. What I want to say about it is this. I'd much rather be known for my love than my stance. And I don't think any meaningful conversation can happen when my stance is louder than my love. Am I calling it a sin? Don't go on Facebook and be like, Pastor Kenneth said, here's the deal. Yes, it's on this list, okay? God abhors all of these things. But when it becomes my pet sin, and that's what I am going to bat for and fighting against in the world... What? What's right about that? And, and how can I believe that I'll ever have meaningful conversations with somebody who is practicing homosexuality if, if I am beating my chest at all time and that's the only one of these things on this list that I'm looking at? And how many of us, walk, and, and we talk about it all the time, like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to spit it out there, okay, right? Well, they, they can come in here, but they've got to change, right? Did you? Did you change right away when you walked through the doors? Or did somebody embrace you with love? Well, let's talk about that. What are you walking through? What's going on in your life? And, and not lead with like, well, that's not God's will for you. I know. I'm curious about this God thing. I, I want to know that, that he loves me. And that's going to open my heart to more conversation. Right? I like stepped on anybody's sacred cow yet. I'm just saying, like anybody on this list, you want to have a conversation with them, lead with love. That's what Jesus did, right? You remember, we preached this a few weeks ago. Jesus walked up to the, to the woman at the well, right? What do you say to her? Get out of here, you prostitute. Can't talk to me. 
how about you get me some water? Tell me about your life. Then later on, right, after, after their whole discourse, what happened? I know. I know you're a sinner. You've been married a bunch. The guy you're with right now isn't even your husband. Then what happened? That led to repentance. Why? He didn't lead out the gate with his stance. He led out the gate with love. This is never to, to not call sin, sin. I'm all about that. I mean, we, we talked about it two weeks ago, right? Shun, shun the sexually immoral person. Get him out of there. But he had been in concert with love and still chose to behave that way, right? We're led to believe by, by Paul's writing. It's been happening for a while. He had a hardened heart. So you want to know my stance is like, I think let's lead with love. Like Jesus did, right? All right, enough about that. Thieves, y'all steal stuff? <laughs> no? Okay, let me check that one off. Any kleptomaniacs in here? Again, condition of your heart, right? What is, what's one of the commandments? Don't covet your neighbor's wife or his stuff. What would Jesus say about that? If you've looked at that stuff and coveted, might as well have stolen it. He didn't really, he didn't say that, but you know what I mean, right? I mean, if, that, if that's the standard for like murder and adultery, thievery, that's like a lesser sin. No. It's the same standard. It's the heart. Jesus is after the heart. The greedy. Gimme, gimme, gimme. More, more, more. Drunkards. That's a tough one. We live in West Michigan, right? Beer City is an hour north of us. <laughs> this, this next one, though, is one that I, I think that we can gloss over this list and we might not know what it means. But this one is, I think, what kind of gets a lot of us. Revilers, what's that? Let me tell you what it is, okay? A reviler is somebody who uses their words to cause division, to slander others, to break relationships apart. Oh, I thought I wasn't that, but maybe I am. Reviling, like that, it's like the secret sin of the church. What do I mean by that? Well, you ever gossiped? Have you ever specifically sat next to somebody because you knew that they could give you the details on something and then phrase it as a prayer request? I'm just so concerned about their salvation. Now tell me what they did. I need to be able to know all the details so I can pray about it. What about like maintaining disunity in your relationships because it feels good? None of us, right? There's, there's like some of us that, that have that spark of like discord in our lives. Make, like there, there's a reason, people, that reality TV exists. Right? Because we like to look at that trashy stuff and think like, gotta love the train wreck. There's some of us that keep broken relationships around in our lives. Maybe because it makes you feel better about yourself. Or 
Or maybe you just love the drama. I tell you, like, it's, it's on the list, man. It is. I, I think there needs to be some repentance. Like, and I'm not saying, like, stand up and repent now. That'd be fun. Some repentance of ways that we have lived a life of reviling, of gossiping, of slandering, of, of using our words to cause divisions and brokenness. And, and, and dude, like, we, we can look at the list all day long and be like, well, at least I'm not sleeping with somebody that's not my wife. It's on the same list of, as gossiping. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God if you're doing this stuff. <laughs> Don't ask me, ask Paul. That's what he said. You know the, the pathway out of the swindlers? It's like con men stealing stuff, right? All right, so you know the pathway out of this? It's repentance. We talked about repentance a, a, a little bit ago, but repentance, it means to, to have an about face, to turn away from your sin and go down another path. What does that look like? And, and this is where, like, the works theology, this is why I wanted to open with that. It can get tricky, right? Well, I'm doing all the right things, Lord. Why haven't you delivered me from this yet? I'm doing all the right things, Lord. I still have the feelings in my heart that I want to see that. Lord, I'm doing all the right things, but you keep on putting people at my table that want to tell me what my itching ears want to hear, what my loose lips want to say. You know, like, repentance is it's not a one-time action, Sometimes I got to do it like all the time, right? Ooh, there comes that thought again. There's like this scripture that talks about like taking every thought captive. <laughs> to me, like that's what repentance is, right? When those negative thoughts come zooming in, Holy Spirit. All right, here we go again. I just had this thought and I am so curious. I, I Got these things going on. Holy Spirit, what is your thought about this thought? What if we invited him in instead of just begging, like, okay, Holy Spirit, help me understand why I feel these things. Let me do like an internal audit here and just be like, okay. So like, it can't get any worse than this, right? <laughs> I'm already on the list. I've checked off a lot of boxes. I'm already not inheriting the kingdom of God. So Holy Spirit, let's walk around this thing for a little bit. What, what is causing this thought? What, what is going on inside of my head that keeps me returning to these same pathways over and over and over again? Holy Spirit, what do you want to say about it? What do you want to do about it? I'm not going to come up with my own answers and my own 12-step program to figure this out. I want to invite you into this. What does repentance look like from you? And I know some of us, like, that sounds like a clumsy, confusing thing to have happen inside of my head. What if you journal about it? What would it look like to, to truly evaluate all of those things and, and to invite the Holy Spirit to move in our hearts, in our minds? I think we'd find some freedom. We get to the core, right? It's like I think a lot of these things, too, that are on this list, we don't have time to talk about. It. I think a lot of these things are not root issues. They're like branch issues, right? What's going on at my core that is causing me to live out the things on this list in ways? All right, so this is great. Because in the midst of this, the beautiful thing is we're all on this list somewhere. 
That's beautiful, Kenneth. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Because there is a level footing at the foot of the cross. You're seeing this? Like this is all, it's the human condition. We walked into this when we walked out of Eden. So we're all on the same page. I can't think of myself more highly than, than anybody else in my life. And you're not supposed to either. So stop looking at me that way. We're all in this together, right? So there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So yeah, my heart might tend towards these things. My mind might tend towards these things. My mouth might tend towards these things. But guess what? I'm not condemned anymore because of what Jesus did. I've been saved from the power of sin or from the penalty of sin. Like I'm not going to die and go to hell anymore. I'm not going to be eternally separated from God anymore. And then the beauty is in the midst of this, we're being saved currently from the power of sin. That's why the struggle in your brain is so crazy sometimes you just can't figure it out. Because the power of sin still exists on on this earth. Jesus looked at sin and said, the penalty's gone. You're mine. I'm with you forever. You can't get rid of me if you wanted to. But the power of sin is still going to trip you up sometimes. And you will be saved from the presence of sin. One day it's going to be gone forever. Thrown into the lake of fire. This is what Paul says to respond, right? Holist. Such were some of you. You know the crazy thing is he's writing to a people who are still doing these things. He says such were some of you. The er at the end of these things, that's not who you are anymore. It's not who you are. You have been bought by the precious blood of Jesus, and you, you need to stop living this way. No condemnation, just do it. Because, such were some of you, but you, you were washed, you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Three, three really distinct works that, that happen here, okay? So, so first and foremost is that we have been washed and we've been cleansed of our sin. That's why I said we, we have been saved from the penalty of our sin. God has washed us from that junk, cleansed us. You know what, you know what the word for washed in the Greek meant? Washed. This is the best joke. It delivers every time. It means to cleanse. It, like literally a, a physical washing. That's what it's talking about. All the blemishes all over you, they're gone. Bye. See you later. This is what scripture says about this. But when goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. There, there he goes again. He said in Ephesians, he said it in Titus too. Not of our own works. I sense a theme. But according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We've been washed of our sins and cleansed by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. You see, like in, in the midst of these things, like the sins that trip us up, We've been washed from those things. We've been cleansed. We don't have to keep turning to them over and over again. Okay? So the second one here, you've been sanctified for a purpose. All right? So as were some of you, 
You were washed, you were sanctified. Sanctification, I don't have time to go into the ology of that either, but here's the deal, sanctification, it, it literally means that day by, uh, this is like, this is Kenneth's version, right, okay, day by day, I am looking more and more like Jesus. If I stop being sanctified, that's where I can slip back into that list, right, but this sanctification work, it doesn't say you are doing the sanctification work, because you were sanctified. This was endowed. Upon, this is something that, that Jesus is doing in your heart. You can't work for this. I align myself with where Jesus is going and take step after step after step to look more like him. And we, we've talked about that before. When I spend more time with certain people, I start talking like them, right? I start using their isms. We watch Bluey in our house. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but like literally Lainey starts getting an Australian accent and, and you know, when something bad happens, she says, oh, biscuits. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, we're going to go to church today. For real life? It's great. We become what we spend time with, right? So the sanctification process, why should we expect anything different? When I'm walking in lockstep with Jesus, I'm, I'm internalizing his word. I'm spending time in prayer. I'm walking with him. What's going to happen? I'm going to start looking more and more like him, right? I was sanctified. I am being sanctified. That, that is what I'm talking about. We are being saved from the power of sin. The more and more I'm in lockstep with Jesus, oh, what are you doing over here, Jesus? Let me follow you over here, Jesus. What do you, what do you have to say about this, Jesus? Like, what if, what if we were a toddler to Jesus, right? Like, my daughter, I don't know if you've seen us, like, walking around here, but, like, it's like, wherever dad goes, here she is. Like, she's my shadow, right? What if we're like that with Jesus? Like, why are you doing that? Can I help you with that? Ooh, what if we did this together? But some of us, we're not about that life. We have our own will and all the things we want, right? Oh, okay, sorry. All right, third. Oh, Second Timothy. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Set apart as holy. That's what sanctification is. We're, we are being set apart in God's holiness, to do the works that he's called us to do. It's beautiful. I love it. Let's talk about it. Third, you've been justified and made righteous. And I don't have time to, to talk fully about this, but justification is this legal term. It means that the things you did, it's as if you never did them. Right? It's like in, in our sins, this legal term, it means we're standing before the judge, and, and he's like, all right, let's get your record out, Kenneth. You're really jacked up. This is a big, thick file. And he opens it up, and guess what? There's a bunch of blank pages in there, baby. I've been justified and made righteous. Righteous here means that I am made right, made, made holy in God's sight. Literally, when he looks at me, he doesn't see my sin anymore, but he sees Jesus Christ. Whew. That doesn't make you like, oh, let's dance. That whole list that we just read, guess what? When, when he looks at me, he doesn't see the checks that I put there. He sees Jesus Christ who checked all the boxes for me. That is the gospel that in my sin, in my death, in, in the things that I deserve, that Jesus looked at me and said that I was worthy of dying on a cross with him taking the sin on his shoulders and bleeding for me so that I could have new life. So what gets us so tripped up? We've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God 
I wish he had put every day, <laughs> right? I do, every day. But we're justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We, like, when we, when we do the Romans road, like, all the time, we've all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. That next part, like, oh, doesn't that pack a punch? You are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You're justified as a gift. He's looking at your record and saying, no, I don't see it. I just see Jesus. That's why the name of the sermon was who you were. I, I was that, but now I am the image of Jesus. Like, I've got the Jesus filter over me, right? And, and God sees me as he sees Jesus. So all those things, my, my encouragement to you would be to think about this. There is no condemnation, but there is still work the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives as we're being sanctified, right? The justification work is beautiful. Sanctification work, that's lifelong and it's hard. I'd invite you to just ask the Holy Spirit this. How should I repent? What if you didn't come up with a list on your own? Holy Spirit, what is, what is grieving you that, that you want me to repent of right now? And then do it. And then consider like inviting someone else into that, right? Confess your sins to one another. And what should I embrace? What, what, what do you have for me, Holy Spirit? Do I need to look at the idea that I've been washed, that I've been sanctified, that I've been justified? What, what needs to fill up that space of the things that I repented for? If I'm turning the other direction, what am I turning to, right? 